On TV. Online. On it like a car bonnet. This is EPT Not Live. Hello, my babies, and welcome to EPT Not Live. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan, and I am in Fargo, North Dakota, where James... Before we, um, by the way, whenever I'm here in Fargo, I remember the time that I overslept and you called my hotel room in the I'm middle of the night. Number one laughing because you're in Fargo, which is just hilarious by itself. And yes, I also remember that occasion when Matt and I were playing detective and trying to work out what hotel you were in. I got so sick to my stomach going to sleep last night like I was going to fuck it up again. Um, <laughs> although I did screw something up so badly this morning. So I know that I'm supposed to do coming up on today's show, but just this thing that happened, this just happened like 15 minutes ago. James, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you or not, but I, pref- I like to do my personal grooming, a.k.a. hair maintenance, uh, when I'm in hotel rooms. That way I don't have to clean it up myself. Having seen how much body hair you have, I'm not surprised. Yeah, and so this morning I was I was handling my affairs down below because things were getting a little unruly down there. And what I like to do is I like to do it over the toilet, oh. so that way I can, just, I can just flush it after. I can just flush it down and not have to worry about, you know, even... Because even, I don't think it's right to make some poor maid clean up my pubes okay it's not it's 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 bad enough they have to clean up after me in general so i was buzzing myself down below nicked myself right in the old and then hang on hang on this is not the first time that's happened i remember a very similar story from san remo two and a half years ago except this time i did it even worse in that i didn't manage to damage myself as badly but i did manage to drop the razor into the toilet oh dude. which james i don't know if you know this or not but i'm kind of like if it's yellow let it mellow if it's brown flush it down kind of guy and so in an effort to save the earth's natural resources and so it wasn't exactly a clean bowl of water okay now i've I'm sorry, I'm, I'm starting to feel a little bit nauseous here. So I figured this razor is gone, right? But it doesn't stop buzzing. It's still running in the toilet. And I'm like, well, I can't just leave it there. So I meet, I'm like, I might as well just try to save it before it dies. So I pull it out of there. And when I do, by the way, when it fell in there, there was this big kerplunk. So all this like yellowy puke oh. water just went splashing <laughs> all over the toilet God. and all over the floor of the bathroom. The good news is I did pull the razor out of there and it's still working but james now i gotta do my face oh no no because i gotta i gotta go on camera i gotta go on camera tomorrow i gotta do my face buy a new razor wet shave (laughs) i mean just it's it's gotta be another solution i cannot believe that they don't sell bic razors in fargo I'm sh- I'm sure they do, but anyway, it's not as fun if I just don't use the. Uh, wow. <laughs> well, as you said, you do need to do coming up on today's show. Although yes. I'm not sure what the point is because I doubt anyone has stayed with this podcast <laughs> after that little delight. Coming up on today's show, other than James's lunch, we are previewing <laughs> our triumphant return to the airwaves on Channel Four in the UK and to your favorite piracy sites around the world. You don't need to pirate today. the show; it's on PokerStars.tv for free. Also on today's show, we've got Superfan versus Stapes. It's Steve Fair, who is one of Matt Broughton's good friends and uh, a bit of a Stapes superfan, a bit of an EPT. Obviously, he's an EPT superfan. He's a great guy. Remember, Joe, we don't call them Stapes superfans. We call them Stapes stalkers. That's right, Stapes stalker. Anyway, it doesn't doesn't really matter to me. I just like the attention. Oh, we've got a we've got some correspondence from a from a, a verified female Stapes stalker coming up later in the show. And uh, speaking of someone that I would like to stalk. I'm a big fan of Igor Kurganov. Kurgles. 
he is going to be on the show later today as part of our TV TV preview section. And uh, before we get going, I got to play this clip, James. It's a blast from the past. Uh, John Newcomb, who is a poker super fan, he is a GPL super fan, an EPT super fan. He's just been one of these guys sort of both working and viewing in the background for years and years. He's been re-uploading all the old episodes of Poker Road Radio. And he actually dug up what I think is a clip from your first ever appearance on a radio show with me. Play the clip. How oh, much God. prep work have you done? I mean, I, pre- there's, there's basic pre- preparation, but I think over-preparing and over-rehearsing is the worst thing you can do for a live broadcast. Where does the social network fall for you? Now no, that uh, hang on yeah, a second, hang on a second. That that was edited unfairly. I mean, you, you don't have to do that to make me sound like an idiot. I do a very good job on my own. That's right. The stuttering in there was not edited on purpose. Uh, it was just sort of a glitch that happened when he was uh, uploading it. However, oh really? Uh, I thought it was something that you guys had done at like Poker Road. It's like, hey, let's let, let's have some fun with this. This freaking English guy thinks he's such hot shit, thinks he's a real pro. Let's make now, him Joe, sound. Now, Joe, as you know, my memory is considerably better than yours. That was my second ever appearance on Poker Road. The first one was when you recorded in Vegas back in 2010. That, yes. I know for a fact, was at the PCA in 2011, because that's me talking about the live show we did for ESPN when Daniel Negrano and I did the final table live on American TV. Correct. Yes. So that was the second time you were on the show, and you do talk about it. You do sort of preview that live uh espn gig that you had and uh i think uh there's a certain point john told me where you're like yeah these guys have no idea how involved like a live broadcast can be and i think that um i think that you proved everybody right that you you know you had probably more live experience than anybody on that um that entire episode we're on the show is up on youtube uh right now and i'm gonna give it a listen for next week and see if there's any fun interactions between me and you that sort of echo anything any little like foreshadowy nuggets what was so the name of the other guy on the show the other the other host court harrington court harrington that was it court really grills you about some movies so i think it'd be interesting to go back and see uh what uh, what you said because we i think we did a lot of oscar talk yeah that so that would have been like the 2011 oscars applying to the year 2010 yeah because you mentioned the social network there and that was the year when i had like a major issue with the king's speech basically dominating the oscars and i thought it was like a sunday night tv movie <laughs> awesome so yeah so i'm gonna give that a listen this week and see if there's anything fun we can pull up for next week cool. for now james what is happening on social media well let's give a big shout out to ethan westhead who tweets to say i've got through <laughs> all 61 podcasts in the space of two weeks the grind is real nice man that's um i i i don't know whether to say thank you or i'm sorry it's an achievement uh, it is an achievement should point out by the way that ethan has applied for superfan status and will be appearing on a future edition of this show john, nice. john Lindley enjoyed the interview with kevin martin he actually tweets at kevin haven't been able to watch you on twitch but enjoy your youtube videos and hope you can post more uh, chris gumbrich tweets a public service announcement he says whatever you do do not listen to the last 90 seconds of episode 60 of ept not live hashtag too late for me save yourselves so just in case you heeded chris's advice just in case you cut off the last episode of ept not live before the end this is what you missed you light the flames on my candle it's one fire baby i can handle happy birthday have a good day 
James, if I had to describe our relationship, it would definitely be pilot major. Well, it's funny. Freddie Safrizzi says, yo, that birthday anthem goes hard. I'll be the pilot. <laughs> you can be the major. Jamie Robinson says, oh, Christ, that happy birthday jingle is actually a full song. That's something. Oh, and Joe. Yeah. Have a good day. <laughs> I uh, I did have a good day on my birthday. I had such a good day on my birthday that I can't really share any of the anecdotes. <laughs> Excellent. Glad but to I will it. get I will get to some Amsterdam stories later on in the show. Um, James, I did uh, have some weird uh, Facebook interaction this week. I wanted to tell you about. There's this um this female fan, and to protect her identity, I'm just going to call her Blamantha. <laughs> and uh, that's one of the worst cover work I've ever heard. Uh, no, hey, look, her name might be Rachel, but anyway, we're going to call her Blamantha. Blamantha likes to get drunk and send me messages, um, like really flirty ones, and typically they're just sort of flirty, but um, a few days ago, one of them went way too far, and I usually just like to play along. Like, for example, and now, James, I've sent you the transcript. I was wondering if you wouldn't mind playing Samantha for me. Uh, okay, I believe we're calling her Blamantha to protect oh, her sorry, identity. Sorry, sorry, Blamantha. <laughs> Okay, I will, and uh, I will. I will do my best impersonation of this said person. Are you doing any northern bushes on your tour? Just the one. Which is? Oh, you meant do I have a lady? No, ha ha. I meant, are you doing anywhere up north? Nope, just the one place I posted about. That is Midlands. So basically, you bluffed me. Leads would be could for me, so if I request, I get, right? Could not, could, silly phone. See, now I have this policy on Facebook where people say, oh, will you come play my hometown? I always say, if you book me, I will come. So my response to that was, if you have a comedy promoter, book me in a club up there. I'd be happy to come. Yes. I have seen some shit comedy acts in Leeds. Norm, it's a trip to Manchester to see anyone half decent. You just reminded me of when I met this guy. He looks scared. Yeah. And there is a photograph of me with this woman. <laughs> and you do look scared. With good you? reason. <laughs> so anyway, this goes on occasionally back and forth and she'll write me a bunch of messages. And in the morning I'll be like, say things like, sigh, I drunk spammed you again. Um, I just want to cut to the most recent conversation. Sure. Uh, like a, uh, where, um, so James is the, yeah. So, um, it, once again, someone had written on my wall, something like what, when are you coming to Manchester? When are you coming to Dublin? And I, again, just a few days ago wrote, if you book me, I will come. And I did that the other day. And then I woke up the following morning to a private message saying, if I book you, do you come yeah, and come is spelled the gross way. Yes, the yes. way that you're I, really I, afraid. I tried to convey the spelling in the performance. <laughs> if I didn't quite nail the delivery, I apologize. Now, James, you may be somewhat shocked at my response. Is that I'm not exactly encouraging. No, this is this basically behavior. this is not your response. I can hear the tone of your voice here completely. My response? Oh Lord. <laughs> Her response? Have mercy on my soul. Yes, and I just thought that you guys, uh, I, I would like to have uh, the Lord Dev mercy on her soul. So I thought you guys would appreciate that uh, I do have at least one female stalker fan and uh, that I, I'm not like that uh, big of a creep that I will indulge this young lady when she just, when, when Blamantha 
decides that she wants to uh, get real drunk. I haven't I haven't gone there yet, everyone. James, let's move on to your social media. You retweeted something strange this week. Really? Well, I thought it was strange, mostly because it had a grammatical error in it. So I figured it had to be something that was very near oh, and dear to your heart yeah, for you I was, to retweet it. I was overlooking the grammatical error. This weekend, I actually went back to my old university and saw some people I haven't seen for 21 years. Actually meeting up with guys who worked on the student radio station back in the mid-1990s. And a group of us worked on a program that was actually on BBC Radio Kent, which was the Sunday Night Alternative, which was a two-hour youth program uh, where we basically exposed the county of kent to Britpop tracks from that era <laughs> and bizarrely like a lot of people who worked on that program have gone on um to have reasonably successful careers in the media um one of the gang is like a, a showbiz pundit for sky news and morning tv and radio in the uk one guy's like a big name children's tv presenter one of them is now the manager of the bbc concert orchestra wow. uh, another guy's like head of programs for a bbc radio station and then there's me so we all got together at the weekend and it was just great to see people who i've not seen for two decades and of course we did the classic thing where let's make this an annual get together let's try and get a date in the diary for next year which we all know probably won't happen but the highlight i'm so glad glad english people do that too (laughs) yeah the highlight however of this trip was not just seeing all these people some of them were staying down in canterbury on saturday night i had to drive back that night so i said goodbye to them at a bar i walked back to the university campus where i'd parked it was about 10 30 at night and obviously the campus is pretty empty on a Saturday night, because I don't really think many students actually still reside there. I don't, they, I don't think they have any on-campus accommodation anymore. But there were a few milling about, and suddenly this voice yells out, everyone loves a chop pot. And seriously, <laughs> this is the best thing that's happened to me in months, because it shows that there is still one person in the 18 to 25-year-old demographic who is watching and consuming our content. And I wanted, to shout, and I wanted to shout back to him, Please, please, can you write a letter to the marketing director at PokerStars telling him that you still watch our TV shows? Um, and so this was a fan, and did you interact any more than that, or I, you just I sort didn't. of waved li- him off? He and- literally was across the other side of the campus, and I basically just waved hello, got into my car, and drove home. Well, that's good. At least he got a wave from you. That's more than most people get. Um, James, I, um, I, I was. We, I, do you want to play a little mini game with me? I just want to do a quick little version of uh, Did Stapes Cry in It? Oh, wow. Have you been on a plane again? I was on a plane, obviously. So I had to travel back. I went from Amsterdam to London in one day. We took the train from Amsterdam to Brussels to London. Spent the night at Phil Sternheimer's house because uh, he offered us a free place to stay. Where me and, <laughs> me and my best friend, Sam, we shared a bed. I told them oh, we were cool to share a bed, which we are. Um, but it was a, a bed designed probably just for one person. <laughs> And because I had had like a relatively rough couple days and I was sort of getting a bit of the lurgy, I I was snoring. So I woke up multiple times during the night with Sam's hand on my chest, me thinking (laughs) that he just forgot that he wasn't in bed with a girl and him thinking that he could like soothe my snoring by putting his hand on my chest. (laughs) Yes. So needless to say, neither one of us got a very good night's sleep. And so I was like, especially just overtired and like just sort of post vacation blues. So when I get on the plane to London, I'm in like prime crying mode okay and super emotional states yeah totemosh 
And um, so basically, the answer to the question should be pretty easy. You know, by the way, I'm loving this, James, how Amazon will like let you download stuff that's on Prime. Yeah, we talked about this a few months back, right? It's just, yeah, it's so cool. So I'm catching up on things that like I started and didn't finish. And one of them was the newsroom. And so I had left the final episode of the newsroom to watch on the flight back from london where and spoiler alert aaron sorkin plays exactly the same trick as he did in the west wing uh well first question james did stapes cry in it I, because you were super emotional and very tired and on a plane i'm gonna say yes but i didn't i did not find the finale of the newsroom particularly emotional i just um i did and obviously i was super emotional but like the i don't know this when he starts playing the song like the bluesy how i ended up in memphis song that really really i don't know yeah See, I don't that's know, one of those also, moments where i just think oh aaron sorkin you've disappeared up your own asshole yeah well and i'm a sucker for that kind of thing i'm not gonna lie i am a i'm a sucker for aaron sorkin i'm a sucker for him disappearing up his own asshole and i think that one of my friends said it best and that to me new watching the newsroom was like watching a marvel movie like those characters were so fictional and so heroic to me like, I really wish they all existed in real life. And I think that's what people got out of the West Wing, too. But it didn't yeah. grab you in that way. It did. I, I mean, obviously, I found it uh, harder to watch for the simple reason that I've worked in newsrooms. My wife still does work in a newsroom. And it was so far from reality that I found it difficult to get into. And I'm sure anyone who's worked in politics would probably say exactly the same with the West as the West Wing. Yeah, like, nobody cares that much. and nobody. I mean, not that they don't care, but it's just not how things happen. Um, so anyway, I did, I did cry quite a bit watching the okay. newsroom, but, but what came next, you wouldn't have think I cried at, but I, like the waterworks had already started. Now what I want to do, James, I want to try to get you one of the actors from the newsroom was linked to what I watched next. And I'll say this, I'll just give you one hint. It may be too hard to get, but it is a superhero movie that I watched next. A superhero movie. Well, I don't think it's Jeff Daniels. Correct. I don't think it's Emily Mortimer. Correct. I don't think it's Dev Patel. Correct. Um, so who was it? No, I'm not going to get it. It's uh, Olivia Munn. Oh, X-Men Apocalypse. Yes, I finally watched X-Men Apocalypse, which is did, weird that I hadn't seen it till now. Did you cry through it because it is as bad as everyone says it is? I, James, I cried at least 10 times during X-Men Apocalypse. Because, <laughs> like, because it's genuinely pulling at the heartstrings or because you're just crying at the mess they've made of the franchise? I mean, I'm definitely not crying over the mess they've made of the franchise. I think the X-Men movies particularly speak to me. I think one, because like I was in the absolute sweet spot for something to speak to me when I first discovered the X-Men, like between like nine and 13 years old. Joe, do you relate to and the X-Men because you have mutations? Well, in a sense, yes. Um, there's the body hair. Yeah. There's the lumpiness. Um, but in a you sense, you are yes, like, beast. <laughs> I'm very close to beast. I always fancied myself more of a Wolverine, but I no. think you're probably right. I actually also have these delusions that I heal faster than most people. Anyway, um, 
So yeah, so but I, but you you do you do have a point, James. Where like, I think the X Men sort of chair like sort of the undertones is that like it's okay to be different, and um, you know just it's what makes us different that makes us unique and stuff like that. And I think that that always sort of really spoke to me because I was a bit of an outcast at that age. So like any of these scenes that are probably horribly cliche to other people like are really really speaking to me in this moment so just to and be clear so, this is not the absolute car crash that everyone has been saying it is no i don't think it was ne- i mean that's why i avoided it for so long i don't think it's nearly as bad as people are saying it is um obviously um i am a little embarrassed over the fact that i cried like a dozen times during this movie and it was all made worse james by the fact that like I'm sitting next to an English guy, like <laughs> just the, you know, like the stoic, he's like the very, he's like, I can just see him like looking at me occasionally being like, what is this fucking clown doing? He's watching X-Men and I'm like sniffing and blowing my nose. Like it is full on. You could have covered quite- it though. Look what Fox have done to the franchise. <laughs> it didn't really bother me that much. I'm looking forward to you seeing it. Like I really, yeah, I will do really didn't bother me um on, on to happier stuff which was my birthday uh that went on before that so that was it that's to, all you watched the newsroom finale and x-men apocalypse and you cried in I, both i was gonna try to watch uh, neighbors 2 to link rose burn uh from x-men <laughs> to uh to neighbors but i was like man if i cry during neighbors like this is all over for me like i just need to uh to just get get my shit together i just tried to sleep the rest of the flight I uh, just wanted to say thanks to everybody who uh, wrote me happy birthday on Facebook this year. I had over 500 people write to me on Facebook. Wow. And yeah, and so, um, you know, last year I gave everyone an individual response. This year I, I uh, did like a copy and paste one for most people if I didn't know them. Uh, and it was so many that uh, Facebook shut down my account for spam. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, a few people left like poker related memes like poker birthday cakes and stuff like pictures of them on my wall, which I do appreciate. But I just wonder how much these people think I must love poker to the point where I want to have a, po- a poker birthday cake on my wall with someone else's name on it. Yeah, the other person's name is a bit weird. So anyway, I don't love poker that much, guys. I'm sorry. I would rather just... Just say happy birthday is fine. Amsterdam was awesome. Like I said, I can't tell too many stories about it. I will tell one really funny story about the train to Amsterdam, James, is that um, I was sitting next to uh, a girl on the on the train over to Brussels. And uh, at a certain point, uh, she got up to leave and I got up to let her. And I sort of just stood in the aisle for a while while the people were getting off. And then I was like, ah, the seat next to me is open. And I sat back down in the seat. And then I was like, boy, this train's awfully quiet. And I stood up and looked around. And every single person gotten off the train because we're in Brussels already. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like stretching out, like I'm packing my bag. And I'm like, oh shit, I gotta get the fuck off this train. And uh, like one of the train like like uh, attendants came by, and I was like, pretended like nothing had happened. I was like, oh yeah, Brussels already, huh? And pack up everything I had just unpacked. Um, had a good time in Amsterdam. Steve O'Dwyer like very aggressively pursued me to hang out for a few hours. Okay, and I'm glad. And I'm glad he did because like you know how it happens. Like you're in the same city as somebody, and they're like, "We should hang out." And you're like, "Yeah, let's get a beer." Okay, I'm here for a few days. Great, let's talk about it. And then it never happens. 
And um, so Steve actually managed to get me on a day where like I, everyone who was staying in my house was so hungover. I was the only one who go, I could actually go outside. And I was like, hey, man, everyone's super hungover. Uh, do you know like of a good juice place? And he's like, yeah, there's this place called Juice Brothers. I'll take you there. Noah Boken owns it. How bizarre. Yeah. And so I went to this like really high end, like smoothie place where like Steve is like their best customer. Like they knew him by name and got, I got like a bunch of smoothies to, uh, to, to bring back to the house. But it was a neat, it was a neat little, uh, neat little poker connection that happened in Amsterdam. And I'm hoping James, that you can somehow find a way to connect poker to what's coming next in the show. I can, because we're talking about poker being back on TV, Joe, because in less than a week's time, we return to the airwaves of Channel 4 in the UK and Ireland. And that means everyone else in the rest of the world will be keeping their eyes fixed on PokerStars.tv, where new episodes will be uploaded every Wednesday. This is the second cycle of programming for 2016. Of course, we were on air during the spring months. We took a break during the summer. Uh, it's been a bit later than originally advertised, but from Tuesday the 18th, which is the UK broadcast date, Wednesday the 19th for Pokestars.tv. The shows are back, and we're coming back with the Dublin main event. And for those of you who have minds like a sieve, yes, Joe, I'm talking to you, this you. was the final table that was dominated by one Dmitry Urbanovich. Not going to say whether he won it, just in case you missed the live stream, just in case you're one of those people who only watches the TV show. But obviously, Dmitry is a big part of this final table, as is a guy with incredibly heavy breathing called Gilles Berniers, the only amateur at the final table. And this hand, sorry, this table, this final table includes one of the best hands we've seen in a long time where let's just say both players involved in this hand think they've won when the river card comes down, but it's not a chop pot. I, I don't even have a re recollection of this, which is great. It's one of the benefits to there being nine How months. How the fuck can you not remember a TV show that you did the commentary for less than a month ago? Was it really less than a month ago? I just look the way you're describing it's to not give any spoilers. I just don't know what hand you're talking about. That's all. I'm sure I would remember it if I had more of the details. Okay. Well, after Dublin, we move on to the grand final <laughs> in Monaco. And we've got the final table of the Super High Roller, more on that in a moment, and the final table of the main event. And that concludes EPT Season 12. So obviously we're going to then immediately pick up with the start of Season 13 in Barcelona. But before that, there is a three-week hiatus. But that doesn't mean we're going to be off the air because we have three weeks, a little mini-series called The Best of the EPT with some of the best moments, the biggest hands, and the great thing here, Joe, is when you go back to the very beginning and you look at a lot of the stuff from the early seasons, you realize there's hands that I'd forgotten. There's hands that I'm sure many of the viewers have forgotten. And I'm pretty sure that we've got a lot of people who probably only discovered the EPT in recent years and may not even have watched the early seasons. So I'll be seeing this stuff for the first time. Well, you're just talking about the good stuff people have forgotten. I like to think of the bad stuff people have forgotten, the bad graphics, the really bad commentary. And that's just <laughs> that's just since I joined the show. <laughs> so the best of the EPT will run over three weeks before we kick off season 13, taking us to the end of the year. We've got three shows from Barcelona. We've got the Super High Roller, 
Um, Fedor Holtz, of course, at the final table of that one. We got the Estrella's 2K event, a bit of a weird one, kind of showcasing one of the local side events. And then, of course, the main event. And I think we can talk about this one because it's so recent and we discussed it on the show. We had the winner on the show. I've just watched this through, Joe, and we've pretty much left in its entirety. It takes up six minutes of the final part, that epic last hand between Sebastian Malitz and Uri Reichenstein. Okay, now just for my own sanity, we have not done the voiceover for this yet. We right? have not, no. It's at first oh, cut God. stage. Don't worry. Uh, and of course, the last two shows in the series, there can be no spoilers here because the events haven't even happened yet. It's going to be Ooh. the 25k high roller final table from Malta and the main event final table from Malta. Those shows will be out just before Christmas. And then... That's the end of 2016. That's the end of that cycle. Ask me about 2017 when we get to January because I honestly don't know yet. Wow, that's uh, that's a mystery. Look, I think it's great that the show has been on for so long that we get to do one of those three classic filler episodes, a.k.a. best ofs. That's wonderful. We've earned that. I need you to be brutally honest with me about something, James. Sure. Is it worth me again doing the thing like maybe next tuesday night when i'm in london where i give out the phone number to my hotel room and i let people call me up and talk to me live while the show's happening um it was kind of amusing (laughs) i would rather you focus on the actual show seeing as you clearly need to reimmerse yourself and remind yourself what actually happened at that Dublin main event final table. And as I mentioned, the week after that, it's a doozy because it's the 100K super high roller in Monaco. And you might remember that this is all about Mustafa Kanet because he won the 50K in Monaco last year, the 10K in Barcelona in 2015. Then he won the 25K in Dublin. And in the interview, Joe, after he lifted that trophy, you said, so what's next? He went, the 100K in Monaco. And would you believe it? He's at the final table of that event. Another guy at the final table of that super high roller is Igor Kurganov. And I'm very pleased to say that he is the guest on this week's podcast. So we welcome to EPT Not Live, Mr. Igor Kurganov. Hello, Igor. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Not good at all. With a good memory, of course. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry that you've had to wait so long to see yourself on TV, but I'm sure by now the novelty must have worn off. That said, do you remember the first time you played on a televised table? Were you excited at all, or does that stuff not really float your boat? Um, I think I had, a, I had a very easy introduction by the bigger tournaments that I first final tabled were all non-TV tables, so that pressure was already off of the first TV table that I played. Um, which usually comes like both together, right? It's final table plus TV. Um, it, I, I was still excited because at the time when like the first tournaments I was getting to the final table, like I was still a huge fan of poker and poker players, which now just worn off a little bit with everyone becoming more jaded. But um, I was definitely pretty excited. Igor, um, if we can, let's go back a little bit because I realized that... Um, even though I would consider us, you know, like legit friends now, I don't know that much about you before you won that high roller in Monaco. And honestly, at the time, you were just like the guy with the evil sounding Russian name that beat my friend Daniel Negreanu. How did you get there? Like, how did you like wh- what is your poker background where you somehow all of a sudden start playing high rollers and super high rollers? Uh, I think it's pretty much a story like many would 
tell it, um, which is just I was playing for three years or something, grinding up the stakes and uh, talking a bunch about poker with my friends. And I think this is what made me um, better the most. While I did enjoy actually the mysterious, no one knows who this guy is, <laughs> time. But as Joe mentioned, the breakthrough moment, as far as we're concerned, when we first became aware of you was that win in the standard high roller in Monaco. And then you've just carried on crushing at that particular festival. What is it about the EPT Grand Final that somehow sees you translate every big buy-in event you play into success? Um, I think I just generally do well in high roller buy-ins, and there's a few of them. So that'll make it seem a bit more like I'm doing better in Monaco. There's nothing special about Monaco itself, I think, um, that makes me more powerful at poker, if that's the question. Is there a difference between your sort of stress level now when you play a high roller or a super high roller versus when you did then? Because you seem like a very chill dude. I'm just wondering, like, if do you get stressed out at all? Do you sweat the money? Um, I often don't anymore like i i it's, it's it's harder to still get stressed out you basically only get stressed out about the money when it's the new biggest amount you play for at least for many people it works like that i think and uh, as the tournaments are not really growing in size that much at least like the first second third prizes etc um most of the time like i've been there except for wsop final table or one drop final table even though that it was a close one as well, but still. So those there, ones I would definitely still get kind of stressed out about. And is there a difference between how you feel when you get knocked out of 100K versus how you feel when you get knocked out of a 5K? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I invest considerably more in 100K, and um, it, it's always like the one tournament that can change like more in the way that it can like make you profitable for this trip and the last three trips or something like that and it's fairly likely as well like every 100k is kind of um, carrying hope because usually it's like 45 players so 20 percent of the time you're getting to the final table it's pretty neat <laughs> i guess yeah i guess you get you probably like value your chance a little bit more because there's just like less to fade yeah exactly like you just got it like it's actually it seems way more doable like, it seems like a more legitimate hope, whereas right. 5K, of course, you can 100x or 200x your buy-in, um, but it just happens also only 1% of the time. So at the 100K in Monaco, you've made the final table three consecutive years, and I think my favorite ever memory of you in action, Eagle, was the first time when it was three-handed between you, Dan Coleman, and Dan Cates, and the three of you did a deal, which you pretty much worked out in your head while the tournament staff were still fiddling around with their spreadsheets, <laughs> and you had the numbers nailed while they were still kind of like deducting X from the prize pool and, and carrying the one. Yeah, I, I, I like numbers. <laughs> I don't know, they, they fall fairly easily to me. Um, Always, I always enjoyed math a lot, and um, even though that's more like arithmetic, it's not like complex, interesting math, but um, it, it, I, I have a good feel for them, I would say. So often it works out better. And uh, both Dan's are friends of mine, so they also um, were 
happily going with my numbers. <laughs> they, they foolishly trusted Igor. Igor, another thing I wanted to know, man, is that, and I wish we had talked about this in person sometimes, but at least like last time we hung out, it was pretty loud, tough to have a conversation. Like, where did you literally come from? Like, you're Russian and German and you've been all over the world. Like, what was your childhood and teenage years like? Uh, so I was born in St. Petersburg, or Leningrad to be more precise. Um, and... Then, when I was four, um, my parents made the wise decision to move out of Russia at the time. And um, I grew up in Germany, therefore, uh, in Western Germany, which is just in a medium-sized to big-sized city called Dortmund. Um, just pretty much as a normal German pupil, and then moved to Munich to study there and give up studies for the sake of poker. And who are your parents like? It's, it seems to me like they'd be like college professors or like Nobel laureates or something like that. <laughs> um, no, they're not. They. Uh, I think then they would have been in the beginning even more disappointed with my. <laughs> <laughs> so I am happy that they weren't that far down the academic path. No, they both uh, were uh, learned engineers, and are. So smart people, and they're obviously good at mathematics themselves. Yeah, they, they value the classical sciences and classical other conservatively assumed to be good jobs. Ah, so if you weren't playing poker, what do you think you would be doing? So I was studying math and uh, economics with probably like with, with a focus on like financial mathematics. So I would have likely gone into some path down the road um something like working at a bank maybe even i don't know i don't know can what you would believe have i'm actually very you, happy that i went into poker instead can you believe that if igor hadn't won that high roller against daniel that he would have prevented the 2008 housing crisis <laughs> so when you said working in a bank i just had a vision of walking into my local nat west and just asking someone <laughs> if i could open a checking account <laughs> i mean there's more to it i guess but um maybe that's what i would have done no, I, I would have probably um, worked just with investment strategies and, su and such. Um, and like whatever is part of... Uh, there's many mathematicians and like physicists working at banks as well, doing some more complicated stuff. I'm sure that whatever the most complicated stuff is, is the stuff that you would have been working on. Let's talk yeah, about some I'm fun stuff. I, I wouldn't have been that excited, obviously, now with like the general mindset being kind of against banks, but... I'm happy I didn't go into that line. Let's talk about some stuff that you you are excited about. Tell me about this VR helmet that you and Liv have. <laughs> um, that's the HTC Vive, which is one of nowadays a few more that are out there. The cool thing about this one is that it has a room scale VR, which means that not only can you sit and stand and move your head around, but also walk around the room which is uh walk around like a space that it tracks i think what's it like um that sounds dangerous to me square feet a bit more actually no it's more than that it's like 40 square feet of an area that it can totally track on the ground uh yeah you have uh, while you're in there um and you near the boundaries of your space it blends in like bounds but otherwise, for the most time, the games are designed such that you only actually move a couple steps in each in each direction. So therefore, you don't really ever like you you do hit the wall sometimes, like especially <laughs> an action game, and you're a space pirate 
or um, you're you're shooting with bow and arrow into like hologram boxes, then you can sometimes because you have to jump around and stuff um, hit the wall. But it's usually not a problem. Like it's pretty well designed. I mean, this sounds like a step up from some of the VR stuff that I've experienced, which is basically like a 360 video that's playing on a mobile phone that's strapped in front of your eyes. This sounds yeah. like fully immersive and is almost like augmented reality. It's it's absolutely insane how good it is at such an early point like um the samsung gear vr for example is the one that most people have tried because yes. it works with the phone but um the vive and the oculus have just gotten to a way further degree it's so much more immersive because there is simply no time loss between you tilting your head in any direction and your um, field of view in the headset also changing. So therefore, it f like to your brain, it feels like it's a real movement. And the same is true for the controllers you hold in your hands. They're also tracked perfectly. So even though you don't see your hands, you can do everything with them because in the game, you do see your hands, you know, with the controllers. And they're just, the movement of hand up is perfectly translated to the field of view, hand up. Therefore, your brain is completely fooled and it leads to some very interesting things because you're genuinely scared in spots. Like, it's very hard to uh, step off a ledge and, like, when there is a big cliff, for example, or if something drives into you, you're just jumping because your natural instincts are sure that you're right now in the, re in the real world. I'm going to go ahead and make sure and uh, just warn you guys do not play the VR helmet out on Liv's terrace. I think that would be a bad idea. Yeah, it's not a good idea. Probably what not. Is the, what is the best game for it? Like, the hands down, the thing you've spent the most time playing? Mm, I think it very much depends on the person. For me, I think the game I've played the most currently is Hollow Point, which is um, a bow and arrow game. You're, like, in a big uh, training room, and uh, you have to get, like, with one, with, with the left arm, like, I hold my bow, and with the other arm, I have to get arrows from my bag and then shoot them at uh, blue holographic hologram boxes that appear in different places. And when you shoot the box, then it shoots back at you. So you have to jump then over the shot that comes back <laughs> at you or, like, go to the side, etc., and it gets progressively harder. Um, it's, it's not a... Most of the games are not games like we know them, like... Half-Life or something, which is like a complicated long story version, because right. there are some problems to still figure out. But it's just amazing to see the potential with with many things that have started. And I think currently there is not that much content out there yet, but it's being created more and more um, because the users are a couple of million right now, um, and uh, that's just going to grow when it's going to get a bit cheaper as well. So I'm going to ask one last question before we play a game that's probably way less fun than your VR game. Now, when I asked you to come on the show, you just said, please don't grill me like the 2 plus 2 PokerCast did. I'm just going to ask you one tough question. Have you watched VR porn yet? I actually, yes. I've, uh, I first tried, <laughs> like before I downloaded it, I looked up how good it is and I read that <laughs> it's not that good. Um, and then I decided to try it at some point anyway, um, <laughs> being, being pushed into it. And it's just the question that most people ask you. So the one downside of it is, like, you can't move and nothing happens. So you're just, <laughs> everything happens around you and you're just, just like lying bondage. there. And you're, you're just lying. Yeah, basically. Exactly. You're, basically, so you're, you're basically the fat guy at an orgy sitting on the stairs, eating some ham, watching everyone else have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, but things can happen to the to you as well there while you eat your ham. 
so you're kind of a terrible lay. And um, <laughs> at the same time, um, when I then downloaded it, something was off with it and everything was oversized. So like I had like a two to three X the normal size, like woman, come on. Man. <laughs> Amaz- what, are, what are they called? Amazonians or something like that? Like it's yeah, just, no, they, yeah. that's that's gonna really do it for some people. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> there's upsides, I guess, in that way as well. But it's it's not far developed yet. I think it's gonna get better because, of course, the interest is clearly there. I hear of wow. some Japanese toys um, that you can put on so that like a robot can work with you at the same time. We'll just call it. We'll just call it a VR belt to go along with the VR helmet. I like it. <laughs> All right, Igor, we're gonna we're gonna cut you loose after we play a quick little game. You want to play a game with us? Sure, let's go. This game is called Know Your Offs. It's a game based <laughs> on your last name, uh, Igor Kurganov. Know Your Offs, and it's very easy. Every answer ends with the off sound although sometimes it's an f sometimes it's a v uh some actually doesn't always end with it but it has the off name the off sound in there got it got it all right here we go question number one. Oh, by the way if um if you uh get better than uh five questions right i'll make a donation to the the reg charity oh, wonderful um, in, in the reg minus charity sorry reg reg i always get that wrong reg reg, reg. charity.org sorry <laughs> All right, here we go. Question number one. A Russian dish featuring sautéed pieces of beef served in gravy, usually with mushrooms. Stroganov beef. Stroganov is correct. One for one. An insult lobbed from C-3PO to R2-D2, more or less telling him to shut the fuck up. Hmm. Unfortunately, I don't remember that. James, you want to take this one? Um. Oh, switch off. Oh, wow. Switch off. <laughs> I knew I might get him with the Star Wars one. Here we go. Question number three. He is one for one. An unknown, unpopular, or inferior type of product. Uh, an unknown or inferior type of product. I drop off a list. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> We're looking for off-brand there. Off-brand. Oh, I thought the answer would have been knockoff. Knockoff. I would have accepted knockoff. That works knockoff for me is too. Pretty good, yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't, so one out of three. That's he's a... one for three so far. This one I think is going to be the hardest one for you, Igor. But I think it's <laughs> going to be smooth sailing after this. Although it is sexist for me to say this, and it's entirely possible you know this one. Question four: An industry leader in accessible luxury handbags, accessories, footwear, and apparel. Hmm. Um. I could know it, but I don't. Nope. We should uh, have a phone a teenage girl for this one. Answer, Rebecca Minkoff. Oh, wow. No, no chance. Number five, a 2001 television show about a bumbling manager facing a downsizing company later remade for American television. Office. Correct. The Office. All right. Back on the board. Two for five. Question six. Sometimes abbreviated as PODO. This phrase is a euphemism for sex, but was also a striptease competition TV show in the U.S. Podo. Hands off. Do no. Oh, God. Don't know. Oh, God, James, help him out. I'm going to give him half credit on this one. You get half a point for that one for sure, because you did get the first half of it. It is oh, the wow. pants. We're looking for the pants off dance off. 
Oh, yeah, that's half and off I got there, I guess. <laughs> so I think Igor may have to hold out for effective altruism to win this one. Question number seven. A Ukrainian stand-up comic best known for his catchphrase, What the country? Oh, what's his name again? Uh, is that the guy who is always talking about in Soviet Russia? Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, no. I would, also, I... I would also accept my favorite brand of vodka. How is this Ooh. your favorite brand of vodka out of all of the Dude, great brands out there? I'm telling you that pound for pound, this particular brand is the best and it wins taste tests all the time. Look it up. Read a book. Wow. I cannot pound agree with you. Pound best vodka. In fact, James, maybe on the next EPT Not Live, we'll do a we'll do a taste test and see if uh, see if we can't get you to pick what I we're looking for. My, my stronger questions so far all revolve around some Russian things with the offs. Those are the few offs that I know. Um, I think the best vodka would be pound per pound, maybe Russian Standard. Ooh, Russian Standard is not the name of the stand-up comic I was looking for. I was looking oh. for Yakov Smirnov. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Or as I like I to call it, lighter fluid. In all seriousness, I don't think we can do a vodka taste test ahead of doing an eight-hour live stream, but it's a nice idea. Well, I'll, I'll just do my own private vodka taste test. Okay, just a couple more questions left here on Know Your Offs. This one, Igor, is to raise one's hat as a greeting or a token of respect. This is probably tough for a non-native English speaker. Hmm... I hello. I'm lost. I kind of, I kind of want to give it to him. We're talking, we're talking about a doff to doff one's cap. Question wow. number nine. Author of the three laws of robotics, a set of rules which would hypothetically apply to artificial intelligence. Isaac Asimov. Isaac Asimov is correct. James, what is his score right now? Well, if we don't give him the doff one, it's 3.5. Here's the thing. If you get the last question right, it'll be 4.5, and we'll round it to 5, and we'll give you the win. Wow. That is pretty neat. Okay. I'll try this my best. I hope for a Russian question. This one, unfortunately, is not Russian. How well do you know France? This is a French cabaret singer, songwriter, and actress who became widely regarded as France's national chanteuse. Um... Is that the La Vie en Rose woman? Yes. It's not really an off. It's more of an ass. <laughs> Piaf is correct. Nice. Whew. I could That's actually, um, I was going to give Igor the bonus question of what is a chanteuse. <laughs> <laughs> a singer? <laughs> yeah, singer. That's it. So I didn't know it either, but Igor, there you go. That puts you over half. I will make sure that I make a donation in whatever is your preferred um, method uh, to Reg Charity. Igor, thanks a lot for being on the show. We really appreciate it, buddy. Absolutely. Great. Thanks for having me. Boy, he uh, he really sort of almost knew his offs. I know, James. I know I expect too much of these poker players to be geniuses at poker and banking and altruistic giving and then expect them to know, you know, what. Who Yakov Smirnoff is. Well, like, it's a race like situation. I'm trying to work out whether this is your naive assumption that these people know stuff about popular culture, or if this is you saying, do you know what, guys? I will never be as good at poker as you are, but I know so much more about popular culture, and I'm going to prove it to you by embarrassing you in a quiz. That's correct. And one of those things is worth millions of dollars, and the other is worth hundreds. <laughs> Uh, it's time for us now to go into the lobby on EPT Not Live as we highlight some satellites 
for forthcoming EPTs and PSCs because remember the Pokestars Championship launches in 2017 just two EPTs to go we've got Malta coming up at the end of October Prague just before Christmas and I believe that this weekend is your last chance to qualify for Malta obviously you've got a bit more time to get into Prague but once again Joe we are highlighting the Bahamas because it's going to be the start of a new era in live poker and again just reminding people that it's not the PCA anymore. Don't search PCA. Don't search PokerStars Caribbean Adventure. It's the PSC Bahamas you should be looking for. You can locate it, of course, via the map in the live event section of the tournament lobby. And just to highlight a couple of satellites, in fact, let's just pick on this one, which is on Saturday the 15th of October at 5.30 Eastern Time. More Eight like Satelliter Day. $82 to play and... There is one package guarantee. That's right, an $82 No Limit Hold'em Turbo, which sees one package guarantee, which could see you going to the Bahamas. As ever, satellites into that satellite. You can qualify for this game for as little as $2.75. I'm gonna tell you guys why, I'm gonna tell you guys why you need to try to satellite for the for the PSC. Okay? Fall. It's a Bahamas, right? It is, for first-timers, it is probably the best spot to go to because it is such a fun resort. There's so much fun stuff to do. It is January. The weather is amazing, okay? There's the number one reason. Yeah. Number two reason, you could be the first ever PSC champion. And if you look at the people that have won the PCA in the early days before, they're all sort of superstars. Now, not all of them, but a big chunk of them are superstars. And that sounds pretty cool to me. And my guess is that if you satellite your way into the PSC, there's a pretty good chance that us and the TV team are going to be pretty interested in you. For sure. I think it would be great to be there at the start of the next phase, the evolution of what the EPT was and what it's about to become. And crucially... There are going to be spin-and-go qualifiers very soon for this event yes. in the Bahamas, and we'll talk about those in future weeks. But yeah, satellites running all the time, plus satellites into those satellites on PokerStars. If you want to be in the Bahamas in January for the PokerStars Championship inaugural event at the Atlantis Resort and Casino. Right now, we are going to give one of our listeners, one of our fans, the chance to win a Step-C ticket and put them on the first step of the way towards playing a main event. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. I feel a little bit weird about this one because this week's Superfan is a very close friend of Matt Broughton's who Joe Stapleton has met on more than one occasion and I haven't. So I kind of feel like the odd one out. I kind of feel like it's a party to which I haven't been invited. But we welcome... Well, James, it would it would require you to leave your house on occasion if you wanted to meet Steve Fair. Joe, you know I do leave my house <laughs> on numerous occasions. I just don't go to Hornchurch. So let's say hello to Steve Fair, who I believe is in the lovely town of Hornchurch in Essex right now. I, I am indeed. Hello, guys. <laughs> Steve, great to have you with us. I've got to be honest, when you got in touch and said you were picking Matt Broughton as your specialist subject, I was thinking, well, this is going to be brutally unfair. But what I didn't realise <laughs> is it's not like you go back years and years and years with Matt. It's not like you've known him since school. You're relatively no, new no. friends. 
six or seven years. And, and in fact, I went for a drink with Matt last week and, and tried to get some information out of him. He was absolutely not going to give anything away. <laughs> and, and since then, I've genuinely realised how little I know about him. Because when we meet up, we do what blokes do in pubs. We grunt at each other and to talk about how other people are idiots. And that's about it. And plus, James, you know, Matt, you know, it's got to be hard for anyone to be friends with him for more than six or seven years. He's probably got like a like an eight year max before he's got to move on to the next host subject. I, I just love the fact that Matt, true to his roots as a broadcaster and question master, will not allow you to get any inside information on this game. Now, it, it, we were actually in mid conversation at one point and I saw him sort of stop. <laughs> and I, I didn't ask, but I know full well he, he was straying into a question. I, I could tell from from his face. And then we just changed the subject and didn't think any more of it. And later on, he said, "I said something earlier, and and I nearly gave you one of the answers." So uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, so he, he was absolutely professional about the whole thing. I must feel bad about taking a shot at Matt at this point now. Well, look, I think in the interest of political balance, it's very important to have you on EPT Not Live, Steve, because we have plenty of state stalkers. So it's about time that we had one of uh, Matt's crew, one of Matt's gang on the line. <laughs> um, Steve, what do you actually do when you're not hanging I, out in I, the pub with Matt Broughton? I, I run a small marketing agency called Sponge NB, and uh, I, I know Matt through Roundtable. I, I was a member of my local Roundtable, which is like a charity fundraising group. Matt came along, thought it was uh, thought it was rubbish, um, but we got on really well and, and met up for a drink, and yeah, we've been friends ever since. Fuck charity, let's be bros. <laughs> exactly. I mean, to, 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 to his credit, Matt came out on the Christmas float, and he was Santa about twenty times to, to the point where he lost his voice a few times. Matt would he be was, the best Santa. He was Look, awesome, I, you know. His cynicism dashed a lot of children's dreams that night, but it was fun for us. <laughs> <laughs> Look, before uh, before we get into the game, I do want to talk about uh, my dreams being dashed, which was uh, pretty funny. Steve came to uh, one of my stand-up shows and brought a few friends with him, and uh, I went up to uh, the young lady he had brought with him after the show just to say thanks for coming and sort of apologize for sucking. And she looked at me square in the eye and went, hey, uh, don't worry about it. I'm just here to meet chicks. And... Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's awesome. Cool. Let me introduce you to my friend Sophie. And then she looked me square in the eye, did not miss a beat, and just went, I'm not having a threesome with you. And (laughs) this was incredibly upsetting to me because I hate it when somebody reads me that well. I really, really hate getting owned like that. So uh, thanks a lot for that, Steve. It was the perfect ending to my night. That's okay. That's that's Charlotte. You don't mess with Charlotte. (laughs) I'm going to guess that Charlotte may have heard some stories about Joe Stapleton. I mean, not being funny, your reputation does precede you. Um, she listens to the EPT live, but we all do at work. It's, it's a funny lunchtime thing. When you guys are broadcasting EPT live, we, we all gather in the boardroom and, and have it on and, and play some poker. So, yeah, she, she knows you. Exactly. Well, I appreciate you guys all coming out. Thank you. <laughs> you are an open book, Joey, and uh, there is... I'm about as much time analyzing poker on EPT Live as there is talking about your private life and your shenanigans <laughs> behind closed doors. You might as well leave the doors open, to be honest, and just cut out the middleman. Uh, let's get to the quiz, then. We have a series of questions about Matt Broughton, which Matt has compiled himself. Uh, he did feel it would be slightly self-indulgent to appear on the show and ask the questions himself and was worried <laughs> that he'd give too much away. Um, so let's kick it off. Super fan versus Stapes. And let's ask you the first question, Steve, as our superfan, as our guest. Something exciting happened in Matt's life while he was in Malta during EPT 12. What was it? Was it that his bees swarmed? It was his birthday. He became an uncle again. 
or his tooth fell out. <laughs> oh my god, nice. I really hope it wasn't his birthday. We fucked up big he, time. He has lost a crown at some point during work things, but I'm pretty certain it was the bee swarming because my wife was getting frantic texts from Matt's wife at the same time, panicking about how upset Matt might be. But now I'm going to go with the bees. The bees. Wrong event. EPT 12 Mortar no. was, in fact, Matt's birthday. Joe, we didn't forget. We took him for a nice steak. Oh, God, I forgot that we didn't forget. Wonderful. Uh, and here's your bonus question, Steve. Even though you got the main question wrong, you'd still get the bonus. <laughs> what age did Matt turn on that occasion? That's going to be 44. Incorrect. 45. Oh. Oh. God, he hides it so well. I can't even imagine. He's just, I mean, he's, he looks younger than I do. Which brings us to the next question, Joe. Despite his handsome and youthful looks, Matt is actually very <laughs> decrepit. Which of these ailments has Matt not suffered from in the last 12 months? Eye replacement, tennis elbow, shingles, or root canal? Oh, I'm gonna go with, uh, I thought dry rot was gonna be one of them. That's what I was banking on. Uh, I'm gonna go with shingles. Correct. That is the only ailment that Matt has not had in the last year, meaning you are up. Don't worry, buddy. There's still time. <laughs> Steve, I have to try and read yep. this. I have to try and read this one without laughing. Matt once Matt once disappointed 600 people by appearing on stage, having been announced as Bruce Willis, Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> or Jason Statham. <laughs> I've never heard this this one at all. That's all the information you've got. That's all I've got. Matt was announced on stage <laughs> as one of those people and disappointed 600 in the crowd. Bruce Willis, Sliced Alone, Arnie, or Jason Statham? Would, would 600 people be out to see the stake? I don't know. The stake. I'm going for Jason Statham. <laughs> Incorrect. It was actually Arnold Schwarzenegger. <sighs> there is a bonus question attached, Steve. And the bonus question is simply... What the fuck was going on? <laughs> oh my god. Um, Think about it. No, Think I've about Matt's no past. Idea. Think about no. his heritage. <sighs> Launch of a computer game. It's got to be where, where I'm going to give you the point. I'm going to give you the point. He was on stage doing PR for a Terminator Atari video game. So we there have we a tied game, one apiece. <laughs> Joe, it's your question. How the fuck do they go? Uh, get, do they get from like Atari executive to like Arnold Schwarzenegger being on stage? They must have just like, I mean, look, he 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 does have that same upside down triangle shape. Maybe they just saw him from the back or something. Joe, I don't know how many PR launches you've had the displeasure of attending over the years, but I can assure you they rarely, if ever, run smoothly. <laughs> That's awesome. Your question, Joe. Matt's largest poker win ever was actually £3,500. But he has repeatedly lied on record quoting which amount? 10 grand, 15 grand, 18 grand, or 20 grand? 18 grand. Incorrect. It was actually 15. And the story behind this one is that Matt panicked under pressure then felt he had to maintain the lie over the years <laughs> until now doesn't it feel good doesn't it feel good to breathe a sigh of relief matt it's like the day you'll finally stop sucking in your gut <laughs> steve it's your question when matt was okay. five years old his sister penny convinced him of 
what? That he was adopted from China. That he was <laughs> that he was born a girl. That his real mum and dad were in prison, or that cats grew up to be dogs. Adopted from China is ringing a huge bell. It's got to be that. Adopted from China. It is. You score a point, and it's two one. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would like Matt's sister. Joe. <laughs> You might get this one right. You might remember the anecdote. Dave the Devilfish Elliot once threatened to break Matt's legs, cut Matt's throat, break Matt's nose, or burn Matt's house down. Well, see, Devilfish threatened to set my head on fire, so maybe he sticks with the fire theme. But I, I think I think it's leg breaking. No, it was actually to cut his throat. But there is a bonus question attached to this. Why? Uh, because of the song parody Matt made about him. Exactly, yes. Matt made up a song about how shit Dave Elliott's hair was, and it got 30,000 views on YouTube. Sick brag. <laughs> uh, it's a tied game, two apiece, and it's your question, Steve. On Matt's... Hang on, th- I've got to tell you. I've got to tell you. I watched the song earlier. It was revision. I've jumped, I'm, I'm off <laughs> since today. And I'm really gutted you got that question. Sorry, oh, man. Well, let's see how you fare with this one, Steve. No pun intended. On Matt's first ever appearance on EPT Not Live at EPT Live, Matt balked at Joe telling a story about what? A poker personality agreeing to light Joe's farts, a drunk girl falling off Joe's balcony, a girl sitting in a tub of yeast with Joe, or a Tinder double date that ended at a hospital. <laughs> first EPT Not Live. This was the podcast on location. I believe it was in Prague. Oh, my God. There's a couple of... It's incorrect. It it wasn't in Prague. It was whatever event was after Prague. It was PCA. I'm going to go for the Tinder double date. No, it was the girl sitting in a tub of yeast. James actually gave you a bit of a hint there because the tub of yeast is what happened in Prague. I went to a beer spa with with a girlfriend. Oh, I only, you know, I must have missed that one. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Still got a tied game, and it's your question, Joe. Joe and James are not the first dream team trio that Matt has been a part of. Which poker power trio has Matt not previously been a part of? Is it Matt plus Ross Boatman and John Tabatabai, Jesse May and Porig Parkinson, Grub Smith and Barney Boatman, Kara Scott and Nick Welthall? That's a really good one. I'm going to go with the uh, option C, um, which was someone in Barney Boatman. Grubsmith and Barney Boatman. Matt was very much a part of that trio. The answer was Ross Boatman and John Tabatabai. Ah, shit. Before we get into the quick fire round, these are the last questions. Steve, your question. Matt's trademark goatee was an accidental result <laughs> of doing a gig in fancy dress as... A Star Wars character, a Marvel character, a Doctor Who character, or a Star Trek character? He loves Marvel. It's got to be Marvel. Too obvious. It was actually a Star Trek character. And your bonus question, which character from Star Trek? Riker. Yes, correct. 3-2. Joe, at PCA 2015, Matt was made to throw up on a beach. Was it by Sergio Garcia? Cristiano Ronaldo, Rafa Nadal, or Tito Ortiz? That was Tito Ortiz. Correct, and it's tied as we go into the quick fire round. By the way, that throwing up is not what you think. Actually, Tito Ortiz stuck his fingers down Matt's throat to get him to throw up his breakfast. <laughs> Steve, once again, you get to go first. It's quick fire. I need to know Matt's favorites. 
Okay? So, Matt's favourite superhero. Captain America. Incorrect, it was Iron Man. Matt's favourite episode of Challenge Stapes. Uh, the one with the voice in his ear. Incorrect, it was the Monaco Princess. Matt's favourite EPT journey. Uh, driving to Deauville. Correct, the infamous road trip. Joe, your quick fire questions. Matt's favourite guitarist. Getty Lee. Incorrect, it was Dave Gilmore. Matt's favourite beer. Um, Dinkelocker. Doombar. And Matt's favourite fantasy shag. Uh, Wonder Woman. Megan Fox. Although, Matt does point out that he will now accept Margot Robbie as he's not sure about Megan Fox himself anymore. Meaning, oh, wow. the final score, four points to Steve Fair, three points to Joe Stapleton. Congratulations, Steve. You have won this edition oh. of Superfan vs. Stapes. Thank yes. you very much. A step C ticket, which, as you know, is much better than hooking up with me because that is a hep C ticket. And now in stock, and everyone loves a chop pot, baseball cap. So we'll get your prizes to you ASAP, Steve. Thanks very much for coming on the show. Fantastic. Thanks, guys. All the best. Bye. I just want to put it out there, too, that we still need more European super fans due to time zones and stuff like that. We got a lot of people sort of in the, the western part of the world who are looking to play. It's tough to line those folks up if yeah. you are in Europe you are going to get put to the top of the list. I did mention that we've got Ethan lined up for a future week. I think I've got someone booked for EPT Not Live at EPT Live in Malta. We have been Great. getting some applications recently, so we do appreciate it. Trying to get you know, further in advance and book people up. So remember to tweet using the hashtag EPTNotLive and a reminder that we need a specialist subject. You set the agenda. Let us know what you want to answer questions about and you can go heads up against Joe on a future episode of this podcast. All right, that's all the time I got for this week's show. This week we have the TV preview. Next week will be our first TV recap for a while. And... We have our guest booked already. Chris Moneymaker will be on the show next week to talk NJ Coop. Yeah, talk about all things New Jersey because Chris is going to be in the Garden State for NJ Coop. And of course, he's going to be staying on for the first ever Poker Stars Festival at Resorts in Atlantic City. So yeah, we'll talk to Chris about that and we'll break down that Dublin show. Quick reminder, 18th of October is when you can see it in the UK and Ireland on Channel 4. Wednesday the 19th of October is when it's available to watch at PokerStars.tv. And I will make sure that we play a new round of Is That Your Real Name with Chris Moneymaker. If you guys... Yeah, and look, those are getting pretty hard for me to dig up at this point. So if you guys have any suggestions that you want to send to me, as long as you can send me some proof that it's a real person, I would love it. Just don't tag Chris Moneymaker in the tweet. Uh, you can tag me at Staves or you can tag it hashtag EPTNotLive and I will give you full credit for helping out with the game. I will be in England next week, so there will be no dodgy Skype connections between me and James. <laughs> but for now, that is all the time we have got for this week's show. For James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Later.